Hello guys, you're listening to Walking Russian. My name is Nikolai Sirov, and this is a podcast about the Catholic Church in Russia. And today's episode is going to be a bit different. Well, well not a bit, it's gonna be really different. First of all, I am not walking anywhere, which makes me happy because I am not outside, and my hands are not shaking holding a mic, and my voice is not trembling because of cold Moscow weather. I am sitting at home, it's warm and nice, and the mic is comfortably sitting on the desk in front of me, so I don't have to worry about dropping it in the snow. And the second reason... The main reason why this episode is going to be different and special is that I won't be talking all the time. Instead, I'll make room for my guest. Yes, today I have a guest on the show, and I cannot tell you how excited I am because this wonderful man is an American Catholic priest, director of the Newman Center at the University of Minnesota Duluth, and director of youth ministry for the Diocese of Duluth. He's also a prominent and fast speaker, and you might know him from those amazing YouTube videos uh, at Ascension Presents. And according to the CatholicReligionTeacher.com website, he is, quote, known nationally for his inspiring homeless, consistent hilarity, and genuine coolness. And the only thing I would argue here with is the word nationally because I totally concur with nationally he's truly very popular outside the US well that was a long introduction but it is all true and I'm so happy to have Father Mike Schmitz today on the show Father Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, Nikolai. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. Um, and thank you for your time. And I, uh, I'm saying this not just as a common phrase to start an interview with. Uh, you've appeared on um, Ascension Presents podcast a number of times. And in one of the episodes, they asked you about um, how you handle your schedule and say no to things. And you told that you act you actually tend to say no to like ninety of invitations you get, and yet you said yes to me, uh, which is a mystifying move to me. Uh, it's a great honor, and I, I just am really uh, happy. Yeah, and honestly, it probably I've had to change the uh, the number. I I I keep and uh, what's the word? Exaggerating. No, I'm not exaggerating. I keep inflating it because I think it seems more accurate. Probably, uh, I say I'll usually say no to about 149 out of 150 invitations. Um, just because, not not like because I think I'm a big deal, but because um, just you know, life gets so busy and uh, there's so many things to do and so many things yeah. are important. But uh, when I got your email, I thought, wow, this would be just really cool to have a conversation with Nikolai. And uh, yeah, so I just it was a unique opportunity, and I just thought it'd be really exciting to be able to talk with you 
Thank you so much. This means a lot. So thank you. Let's jump right into the hard hitting stuff. Uh, so have you seen the recent Star Wars movie? <laughs> I have deep controversial topics. Yes, I have seen it. I saw it last Friday. So um, my parents had, I was just saying my, my parents had their 50th wedding anniversary on Saturday. And so all of my siblings, almost all of my siblings were in town except for one. My oldest sister, she wasn't able to make it until Sunday. But uh, so since we had the big celebration on Saturday, all of the kids decided that we would uh, get back to our hometown by Friday so we could watch the movie together. And w what's your take on the movie? Because judging from the reviews, uh, um, in Catholic media at least, it seems like they managed to produce some kind of... this, Like a mo movie that can actually relate to... Christian values in a way. So what's your take on the movie? That's a good question. I, you know, it's interesting because um, I have a couple, three, three, well, I'll say three takes. Uh, one is I enjoyed it. Like I, you know, it was, it was fun to watch and I really liked uh, the lightsaber battle um, in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> it just, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was pretty cool um, on that, on that end. Uh, and, and people had been asking me all week, all my students had been asking, me all week oh you're going to the movie are you super excited like well i'm not not excited i mean i was looking forward to it because it was going to be an event with my family but uh i was like i'm not a huge star wars person so i have two brothers-in-law and both of them are really into star wars and so it's really fun to go with them because they get really excited um mm -hmm. so i just for my my part first thing I, i just i just enjoyed it i thought it was fun second thing is when it comes to like you know the the catholic uh kind of take on some and like uh, I, I read an article today that was really uh, I, I really appreciated it. It, it. it pointed out how Kylo Ren is a conflicted um, evil character in the sense that he's not as in control and glamorous as Darth Vader was. And and they were making a point of saying that's more like us in the sense of uh, even when we do um You know, evil, we're often still conflicted in that as opposed to like, you know, and they use the example of, of here's Kylo Ren who, who goes into a, you know, basically a temper tantrum in both movies so far. You know, in the first movie, yeah. it's a temper tantrum. And in the second movie, he has that temper tantrum in uh, the elevator, I guess, device, um, as opposed to Darth Vader, who, yeah, you know, he'll choke people out with using the force. But he seems like he's always in control. Um, yeah. And they made a good point of saying that, you know, that's us. So I kind of liked that, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting. But the third thing I thought, was, uh, I heard a couple of reviews um, and I thought, wow, that's a really good point. And the sense was, um, was that they haven't done anything new with the story that it is, um, that it's kind of like the empire strikes back again. And, and, mm -hmm. and there's that kind of sense of like it, it, And I remember hearing a reviewer talk about how he was disappointed because he was saying that it's as if all the stuff that had happened in the previous movies hadn't happened at all. Like, so the rebellion, um, you know, putting down the uh, 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 the empire and all these kind of things mm -hmm. like that. No, it's it's as if it's as if like no, like you know, and, and so it's almost a recapitulation of episode four and five. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, the Death Star got blown up in episode four. And that, wow, that, that should really change things. Oh, I guess it really hasn't changed much. And same in episode seven, Force Awakens, like, you know, the whatever they called it, basically mm -hmm. the new Death Star gets blown up. 
and nothing really changed at all. And so you kind of have that sense of, so what, where are you going with this story, people? You know, that's my, my, my question was kind of where, yeah. what they're trying to do. But that's, what did you think? I haven't seen the movie. Actually. So Hopefully I didn't give anything away. <laughs> yeah. I gave away the fact that there's a lightsaber battle and it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it uh, with my family. Uh, I believe this weekend. Um, so you were active uh, in terms of being present both online and offline at different events and platforms, t- talking to people, mainly youth, about um, as far as I understand a relationship, mainly with God, but also with other people. And I, I would think the vast majority of those who know you may have this image of Father Mike Schmitz who's doing all these uh, cool things, little videos, how you call them, and podcasts and speeches, and oh well, he's also a priest. And yet being a priest is um, your, like, uh, main path, right? Uh, Have this ever led to any kind of misconception, because you are the priest? But some might see that as a secondary. Yeah, that's a good question. I um, I guess I haven't seen that so much. Um, one of the reasons why is because uh, when it comes to the videos, when it comes to the podcast, so the videos themselves, you know, from a sense of a sense, you know, I make those in the living room here um, on campus yeah. at the at the Newman Center and the Newman House. And so um, as I'm doing that, like students are coming and going into the house to come to pray, time of Bible studies and have, you know, kids to study and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's kind of just a so I don't get to necessarily um, see I guess what the uh, what what other it, it seems like an everyday part of my everyday life as a priest mm-hmm. you know and then the second thing of the podcast is that is directly a, a, an offshoot um, of of what I do on a on a weekly basis here so um, whenever I have to preach then in, I think I think it was back in two thousand seven mm-hmm. one of Our students had said, hey, you should really record your homilies. And I was like, ah, that seems kind of self-aggrandizing. That seems a little <laughs> bit um, uh, weird uh, to do that. And they're like, no, 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 it's good. And then I said, but I don't know what to do with them. They said, well, I'll figure out how to make a podcast and I'll do that. So then that student, you know, that was a former student, has been doing that uh, for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that that's a good thing is I get to focus on, okay, what do these students need to hear? Um, what is it that the Lord is speaking to them? And and I get to do that more as, I guess, more as a priest because it's in the context of a homily than as like a quote unquote podcaster or a quote unquote like a media person or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I, I guess I would say is uh, so in about two weeks after after New Year's, um, I'm going to uh, a thing called the Student Leadership Summit. It's put on by Focus, which stands for the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And mm-hmm. there's a great, great conference. Um, There'll be about, I don't know, seven to eight thousand uh college Catholic college students at this thing. Last year um was interesting because you know, I I got to the bigger conference, which is called Seek, and there about thirteen thousand there. And um I, I I'm not kind of I guess I'm to be honest, I'm not really used to like people saying, Oh my gosh, you are, you know, you. because <laughs> um, you know, where you live at home, you're just yeah. kind of you're just you. <laughs> and uh, and so it was it was kind of weird and i guess um i had to uh really just kind of uh but just you know it just 
I don't know what to say. It was it was a little bit strange. I was just like, okay, but here are people in front of you, and so you wanna you wanna treat them as Christ, mm-hmm. and so you just wanna love. Them. But I have to tell you that it was the most the most beautiful thing and most like helpful thing for my heart uh, when I saw our own students because they were there too. We about 125 or so of our own students there. When I saw them and they're like, oh, for the mic, I'm like, yes, okay. <laughs> so this is, this. I'm like that sense of like, you know, these are the people who know me. These are the people that I love. Um, and these are the people that I, I'm serving. Um, and so it, may, it may always brings, makes it home, brings it home mm-hmm. and makes it real. You know, when, when you are around the people that you, um, that you, well, you know, they know you and you know them. Uh, when sure. you really get to be uh, a father to them, and that's the that's the most I think the most important thing for a priest is that um, he recognizes his identity as a father. Um, and that took me a lot of years to kind of discover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should have gotten it right away, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I might have missed it. And I might have been sick that day in class. And so uh, um, but like when it comes, I think one of the things that, that keeps a priest on track um, and keeps him true to his vocation is. When he truly sees himself as a father, because as you know, Nikolai, that you, I mean, as a dad, you can't, um, you're always a dad. And so no matter yeah. what you're doing, whether it's fixing this something or making something or working or whatever, even it takes you away from your family for a moment, um, you do that thing as a father and as a husband. And I think when it comes to a priest too, like, so I'll make a video, but I recognize that I'm doing that as a priest, which means I'm doing that as a father to the people that, um, uh, to the people of God, you know, and or or if I'm going to like a conference or something that in this moment, you know, I get to be surrounded by these really incredible speakers and incredible musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet my role is not just to speak with them. I mean, although I do that, but my role even in that kind of venue is is to be the father of the situation or of the event, even if like I'm younger in some ways than some of the other people mm-hmm. involved. Um, and that's a really humbling a call, but when I have that clear sense of that, then it's it's um, then things seem to go, things that seem to fly right when when I really have that clear sense of I guess what you might call spiritual fatherhood. And speaking of uh, preaching, um, Evelyn Spansley, uh, the Catholic blogger and writer, once once called you a killer homilist. And I think she's so right. Um, so I wonder, how do you prepare? What's your exact process? If you have one specific, like exact process. Man, it is oh, a lot of tears <laughs> and a lot of, uh, you know, I, I, I put a lot of time into Sunday homilies. So um, in, in, an average Sunday homily will have anywhere from, you say, nine to 20 hours of uh, prep um, Oh, wow. And uh, and that spread out over, you know, any number of weeks um, because I'll, I'll I've started maybe about it might have been 2010 or I'm not sure exactly when I've started doing uh, like homily series. And so in that and one of the reasons for that was I recognized that, you know, there are some times where you're like you can't say it all here and you can't go really deep. Um, but if you spread it out over the course of a couple of weeks, you know, say here's a four week series or maybe even sometimes a six week series, then you can get deep into um, the content. And so I really want to uh, transfer uh, the uh, that teaching mm-hmm. on the beauty of, of, the, of the faith to, to our students and to who listens to the people who listen to the podcast. And so I think the series format really lends to that. Plus, since 
you know, as a, we have the liturgical calendar. And so you have Advent. Okay, well, here you go. Here's a four-week series, Advent. Or here's Lent. You have a, you know, six to seven-week series. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have, though, like, okay, for the next, um, you know, X number of of weeks, we're going to be going through St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And I go, wow, well, why not make that a unity rather than just kind of a, a set of, you know, disparate and disconnected uh, random teachings, like a, a thread, a common thread through all of them so that the students and whoever's listening, people going to mass, that they can uh, get a good sense of is God talking to us. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, I think sometimes we show up to mass and I know this is true for me when uh, I wasn't, but I was, you know, showing up um, as a lay person. I sometimes didn't, I didn't show up with expectations of being um, given something that I could take and, and use and apply to my life. Um, yeah. I didn't have that expectation because it didn't always happen. And, and so I thought, well, gosh, you know, the mass is meant, well, it's, first of all, it's worship. So it's for God. It's oriented towards God and uh, for his glory and for the salvation and sanctification of the world. But also there's that sense of, but can I, is there anything here that I can take and to apply to my life so that I can be not just offering up the sacrifice, although that's powerful, but be transformed by that. And yeah. so I, I, I often see the homily as, as a place for that to be able to happen. I mean, I know there's other people who have really, really uh, well thought out uh, in different uh, view of the homily, but that's some of the, some of how I approach it. So I guess you had asked specifically mm-hmm. what the process is. Um, and I said, just tears and time, <laughs> but really what it is, is um, for weeks. So like I have, I've had all of the readings for the school year because that's the main time that I that I have um, mm-hmm. like series. I've all, had all the main readings for the school year printed out since last um, last summer, and and so I'll, I'll divide them up. You know, look at the calendar and look at the readings and look at some of the themes, and then I'll see. Okay, this looks like it, this could be a, a look and pray through it and say, okay, is this a this, this would be a four week series? Okay, looking at the calendar for the students, looking at the uh, um, what the Lord is saying through His Word. Okay, this will be uh yeah, this will be perfect for a blah blah blah. You know, here's a three three week thing. And um so I kind of divide it up that way first so I can get us to uh, manageable uh like pieces. And then what happens is as I'm praying through this, um I'm looking for those key things that links uh the reading and links what the church is trying to tell us through the scriptures um for those that series. And then and the whole then the whole time in the background, I'm constantly reading and I'm constantly uh, collecting stories and I'm constantly collecting like examples or insights from other people. Yeah. And I, I collect those all down and, and uh, I'm constantly writing them down. I have, I love my whiteboard and I have that. And I, I love everything called Evernote. Um, I just capture, it's a, it's a program for, you know, the computer yeah, yeah, yeah. and for your device that co- collects all those, uh, those random articles and stories and what ideas. And then, um, when the time comes, what I really like to do is be able to have like, okay, here's the progression. So um, if there's a key theme or element that could link these readings, these Sundays together, like if that comes to the surface, like I want to just latch onto that and say, okay, this is a profound thing that will change someone's life. And then it's like, okay, now out of that, what are the key elements that will um, each Sunday then lead towards uh, affirming that, that thing that the church is teaching us through the scriptures? 
And then, uh, yeah, just I'd go to work, I guess, um, on that. So I, is that is that too random or rambly? I apologize. Mm, okay, and I uh, I listen. Uh, I'm constantly uh, listening to your homilies, and I uh, listened to your recent series of homilies. What a waste! Uh, and for those who will listen to this podcast, that's not my summary. The, uh, the this is the actual name of the series, and it is awesome. So you made this point. Um, that we might end up in hell not because we are bad or awful people but because we waste our opportunities to be there for other people and uh, because we tend to be um bypassers uh, is this the the right word to use um, so if you don't want to pass by you have to be able to stop right and That proves to be so hard, just for just so often for so many of us, uh, with all the daily chores we have, and uh, simply because of the cultural framework we live in. So, how can one train oneself to be able to stop at right moments and uh, to be able to even notice these opportunities in the first place? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I wish that I had come across. Um, a quote by St. Alphonsus Liguori uh, earlier, like when we was doing the series, because I just came across uh, this, it kind of, it's, it's an extended quote from him, but mm-hmm. it goes to the heart of what I was trying to say. He goes on and he says, uh, he says this, it's a, kind of a longer quote, but he says, it's not noise in itself that is the difficulty, but noise that is pointless. And it's not every conversation, but it's useless conversations and not all kinds of occupation, but aimless occupations. And he goes on to say, he says, in point of fact, everything that does not serve some good purpose is harmful, which is interesting because like, wait, what do you mean? It's, and he goes on, you know, uh, everything that does not serve a good purpose is harmful because he, he goes on to say, he says, it's foolish. No, even more, it's a betrayal to devote to a useless objective powers that can be given to what is essential. And he says, there's two ways of separating ourselves from God. Um, one is mortal sin. The other is voluntary distractions. And I just think like, wow, that is crazy. He says, both of them are disastrous. Mortal sin, which we already know. The other, he says, is voluntary distractions. Um, and and it, it's just um, that, that, that you know, is it, kind of maybe part of the point of that series, What a Waste, uh, mm-hmm. because that there's that, you know, we can be, you know, bystanders and uh, just passive observers of our own lives, unless we stop and think, oh, wait, does this, is this helping uh, me become the person that God wants me to be? Or, or is this simply kind of a distraction from um, the, 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 what I should be doing? Now, keeping in mind that sometimes what I should be doing is resting. You know, what I should be doing is having some recreation. So it doesn't sure. just mean that I need to be busy, work, work, work. Um, but it does mean that if I, Even recreation without intentionality, without the decision to recreate, um, could become like I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm just distracting myself from uh, what I what I ought to be doing. And I just the the main thing, and one of the reasons why I've been thinking about that concept, well, actually for a couple of years now, but over the course of the summer, it became more and more uh, pointed in my life and in the lives of the students that I was working with, where I would hear hear again and again from them. That like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And I mentioned I mentioned this in the homilies, but like, what'd you do this weekend? Like, ah, you know, 
was going to do some stuff, but I just ended up watching Netflix the whole weekend. And to think, wow, that is, I mean, and the, the interesting thing, the thing I say wow about is that it's not even a shock. <laughs> There's kind of that sense of, oh yeah, I guess that sometimes happens as opposed to like, this is your one life. Like this is, this is it. Like that was the one weekend you will in, you know, July, or this is the one weekend here now in uh, December that you will ever get. And now it's gone. Yeah. And it's so strange. Like it's not like uh, some kind of cryptic code to be broken. It's like so obvious when you think like uh, when you spend like a day just watching some movies or like doing nothing it's so obvious that you are actually wasting your time it's not that like cryptic it's not that hard to understand and yet just so many of us just keep like i don't know just going doing nothing and, and just waiting opportunities it's just so strange it is really incredible and and i think there's something about um uh kind of being okay with that too. And, yeah. but I think there's so many uh, of us that we don't know a way out of that. Like there's that, that, that well, what would I do? What would I do otherwise? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so the, the, the options seem to either be, well, yeah, choose these distractions, even life giving, or just keep working where like, that's not, those aren't the only options <laughs> that there's that mm -hmm. sense of being able to say, wait now, um, what is God calling me to do right now? Because even the stuff that we do to, that we choose to recreate often doesn't give us life. It's simply, as, as we said before, it's simply a distraction. Um, mm -hmm. and doesn't even leave us feeling it's like, it's like, um, I'm really, really hungry. So I'm going to have Doritos. <laughs> Wait, that, that might taste good for a bit, but pretty soon it's, I'm going to realize I can't look live off of those things like that, that it's not giving me really what I need, even though now I'm full and can't eat vegetables, have no room for uh, the things that will really give me life. And, and so to take that and put it in terms of time, um, because, you know, the Doritos thing, yep, I can go exercise a bit and, you know, tomorrow I'll have a better chance to <sighs> eat some vegetables or whatever the thing is. But when it comes to time, it's a, it is the finite resource of life. And there's yes. literally no way to get it back and i just think how many times a lot of this comes out of, again my my own life and stupid decisions i make where i'm like um wait why did i do that i just wasted that whole you know morning or i just wasted this whole afternoon um in uh going down the you know youtube rabbit trail and or uh going back to twitter for the 12th time in the last five minutes <laughs> just, just just to see if there's any interest that I could, and, and of course I can justify it to myself by saying, well, you know, I want to see what people are saying about Advent these days. And, and if there's any good ideas I could steal, you know, or borrow. Um, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, um, you know, I can't, uh, I think there's a Chinese proverb I came upon that said, um, the person who chases two rabbits will end up catching neither of them. Yeah. And you recognize that like, I can't do what I think. Uh, is it Cal Newport or is it someone else who calls it half work? That sense of um, that half work is like divided work um, or divided mind where um, 
I don't actually make a decision. This is what I'm going to do right now. And so I end up doing a bunch of things at once and not enjoying either either of them and also not doing really good with either of them. And I just think of, again, this, so it comes out of my own. <laughs> so it's not really meant to be an accusation of someone else. Uh, and did you say that it was Japanese proverb? I think because we have the exact one in in Russia, so it's uh, yeah. <laughs> so next time you can say that it is Russian proverb. <laughs> Russian proverb. That's awesome. Uh, too many people leave too small of a story, uh, says your profile page at Newman Center website, and I think this line is um it in, in a way reflects what uh, Pope Benedict the sixteenth said uh you were not made for comfort you were made for greatness and as usual easier said than done right so my question is quite simple uh what is greatness De like define greatness what is a big story yeah i think um i would say that if i if i live for my own self then that's as big as my life is going to be and i recognize that i'm a small person um when we when we when we look at history of the world i remember thinking about this when i was in high school um we i had a class in uh, american history it was a, it was like the one of the first really challenging classes that i ever had and uh because the, the the instructor really demanded a lot out of us mm -hmm. He demanded a lot of critical thinking as well as the ability to take in a lot of data. And um, I remember thinking, like, here we are studying uh, all of these people who were kind of history makers. And I was thinking about, but we, but there were thousands and millions of people, other people, who were not studying, who were living at the exact same time, who are kind of like, when it comes to the history that we're studying, they're not meant, they're not even mentioned. There's kind of a that they're there in the background. And if I were simply to live for myself, um, if I were to live for my own uh, vision of myself or my own dreams, my own um, uh, self-aggrandizement, then in the context of even like the history of 2017, much less to say the history of the world, like that's not a very important, it's not a very big story. Yes. But if I recognize, yeah. I mean, also, let me let's say also, if I thought that like the whole point of life was because there are so many different worldviews that, you know, the point of life is to avoid pain and to maximize pleasure. The point of life is to be happy. The point of life is to, um, uh, you know, take what you can and get what you can. Um, that kind of thing. If I were to live for those things, what happens when I encounter failure? What happens when I encounter suffering? What happens when I encounter the uh, um my own limitations of myself. No, so then my story ends up being just simply a tragedy because all it is is either super boring or it's really small or it's a tragedy, you know, even worse. But if I realize that my life is part of a bigger story, like a capital S story, um, that there is a there's a God who's who's the author of the whole story, that he's he's actually created, you know, the person listening to this podcast, he's created them on purpose and he's written them into the story as a as a free actor, like as a, as a free um, person who can choose to, to interact with the story, to engage with the story, or to check out, you know, and to, to not participate. Um, yeah. But he's created them on purpose yeah. to be part of his story. 
then you realize, oh my gosh, even the person who's completely unknown, even the person who never does anything that the rest of the world says that's amazing, or that even the person that experiences great suffering and great tragedy in their life, they realize, but this is the thing, I'm not, I'm not the, the sum total of my life. I'm actually part of his story. And because I'm part of his story, um, my life has a greater meaning than, uh, than I could ever possibly imagine. And so when I, when I say, you know, that most people live a life uh, too small or the story that's too small, I mean, a lot of us live for ourselves uh, as opposed to realizing that, no, 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 you're part of a, a much, much larger story and you're a critical, a critical actor, a critical character in that story that God is, is, is writing. It's so true. And I have a personal question. Uh, let's say I am a young convert, which I am actually. I converted to Catholicism in November 2016. Thank you so much. Uh, and I come to, let's say I come to my parish and I'm full of ideas and expectations and I'm willing to engage and to contribute. So what should i do what are my steps how can i engage and contribute i mean should i come to a priest and say hey father i'm new uh, here so can i do a podcast about the uh, about our parish what a priest wants to hear from a guy like me yeah that's a great that's a great question it all depends i think in so many ways on um on the priest ah on the priest exactly <laughs> and what are the needs of the of the area the uh i would say that if you were to, so okay here's what i what i always tell all all, all of our students when they graduate and they uh, i'm saying okay you're you're going to go to um um you're going to go to a parish and you're going to show up because here you are on campus and for the last you know four years maybe you've been a leader or for the last year you really stepped into this leadership and uh and 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 you know how to do bible studies you know how to teach people you know how to evangelize i mean you know how to you know how to run a parish because i i really try to recruit and build up uh these students as people who take responsibility mm -hmm. and um i got um i would say to them that uh be patient because he doesn't know you yet and because you might not know the needs perish yet. So for myself, someday I'm guessing the bishop will take send me to a parish instead of being on campus. Um, and so it'd be one thing for me to say, oh, <laughs> you know, I've been on a college campus for the last 13 years. I know exactly what this parish needs. <laughs> and I'd say, no, 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 this is a time for me to learn and to listen. Say, what does this parish need? Um, and li to listen to people and to listen to the Lord and then be able to say, oh, this is what, this is not the same place. These are the same people. Um, and yes, we all need Jesus, but what is, how is it that I can best serve them? I say the same thing is true for anyone coming into a parish, whether they're a convert or that they're just showing up is to be able to say, um, I always invite them and say, come to the, go to the priest and say, father, um, is there any thing that you need that I can do. And so there's that sense of like, I'm at your disposal because what will happen is he, a, he might not ever have a head 
someone come to him and say, um, is there anything that I can do for you? Um, and he might be taken aback and not know exactly what to ask you. But later on, what will happen is in the course of, you know, serving that way, you will learn something and he will learn something. Uh, he will learn that he can, whether he can trust you or not. Yes. And, you know, because if he gave you this task to do and you did, a, you did it, you know, as he was asking you to do it, you did it in a way that was honest and the way that was excellent and all these kind of things, then learn that he can trust you. And then he'll come to you and say, okay, what are your ideas? What are your thoughts? Secondly, what you'll learn or what the person who's offering help will learn is, okay, here is really what it is to serve in this parish. Um, because I have this ideal in my head of it's going to be like this and I'm going to help and the people's lives are going to be changed right away and everyone's going to love it. And I'll get a clearer sense of, uh, oh, here are the strengths that I have. Here are the strengths the parish has. Here are my weaknesses and in my areas of growth. And here's the parish's weaknesses and areas of growth. And I would say that that's a great place to start uh, for anyone. Um, first to offer, what do you need? How can I help you? Um, and then build on that relationship. Uh, one more personal question. Um, the this question has uh, has been bothering me for a long time, uh, or actually since my conversion. The Catholic Church is universal. Uh, however, there's um, and I'm speaking from my perspective, my own experience. Um, so, however, there's these huge Catholic English speaking world, and also huge Spanish speaking world uh, and then you have this relatively small Russian only speaking world um, so my point is the Catholic Church uh, in Russia seems quite insular you know it's so closed in and on itself um, and my question may sound stupid but still is it okay to be insular that way Or maybe it is important to not just know that you belong to this huge universal church, one body, but to um, to actually feel that, you know, and to communicate and to reach out. Um, so what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question, because um, I think that, that there's there are some people that I've, I've spoken with who have said... Uh, They, they can see that same thing happening in um, the parishes in wherever they live. And I would say even bringing it down to the parish. Yeah. Um, the parish itself can – there's a great book by Father James It's called um, Divine Renovation and Moving from Maintenance to Mission. And he, one of his theses in that book is that a lot of Catholic parishes are run on a maintenance mode. Like we're just going to maintain. We're going to try to like keep – keep um all those who are already on the ship in the ship and i try to try to keep them uh cared for and um and that's all we're going to do as opposed to saying yeah we need to care for those who are here we also need to have an outward focus where we can live the mission that jesus entrusted to the church and so i would say that if you might find that on a national level um in the russian in the catholic church in russia um but i think you might will also find it in um various, uh, in, well, a lot of uh, Catholic parishes, maybe throughout the world, but also in the English-speaking world, it, it is one of the issues that we keep uh, trying to identify and um, to name and to rectify. 
because again, we're, uh, we're all called to go out, but there's this yes. really interesting thing of, um, how do you have, how do you balance community, which means there's an inside, right? I mean, there's a, yes, exactly. there, there, there is an, there is a, I hate, I hate to use this because sometimes this can sound pejorative or it can sound kind of uh, negative, but there is a sense of us and them in the sense that um, there's those of us in the community and, and this is the family. And if we're really going to be living as a family, that means that um, there's a boundary. I mean, even just like think about, you know, our own families, at, like I mentioned for the Star Wars thing, is it wasn't, hey, we're going to get anybody we know to go to the Star Wars thing, or we're not going to, we're going to get anyone we know to go to my parents' 50th anniversary. It's going to be, you know, family and people who are really close to the family that are invited to this thing. Um, not because we don't like other people, because we need to have times when it's just the family, if we're actually going to be there for each other. But then at the same time, balance, but we don't want to be cliquish or we don't want to be exclusive and we don't want to simply settle into maintenance. But you know, as you said, we don't want to be insular. We have to be um, evangelistic in on living on mission. I think one of the bigger challenges that uh, research recognizes now is how do we both um, be a family of disciples as well as be missionary disciples? Yeah, because uh, um, I'll, I'll be, I've been doing some interviews lately, and I've talked to Tommy Tai, for, for example, or Eve Tashner, Tim, amazing uh, writer. Um, so, and I published these, I translated those interviews into Russian, I published the, them on our website, uh, and, and like all of whom I know, uh, sent me these emails or texts, uh, like asking me, who are these people? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Why are you uh, are you interviewing these people? Who are they? So, and it f feels so strange. Like, uh, okay, uh, since we are approaching Christmas, uh, and let's bring some Christmas into this episode. So, what is, what is Father Mike's guide to a perfect Christmas? Like, what should I? Nikolai do to experience Christmas fully so to get like maximum out of it yeah um, I, I think of it in terms of um, what am I looking for I mean what what is the what is the uh, what's the ultimate goal that the church gives us the season of Advent so that we can um, that we can enter into the celebration or why is it church give us the season of Lent so we can enter into the celebration of Easter. Um, mm -hmm. And I think when it comes to Christmas, and I mentioned this in a, I think a homily a couple of weeks ago, is that the, the goal of preparing is not to recreate some kind of experience of the past. And it's not also not to pretend like Jesus hasn't already come. Um, but what is it then? Um, I, I almost see it as when I do a lot of marriage preparation for couples, mm -hmm. uh, I, I I let them know this and they, they experience it. So I always kind of try to uh, get ahead of it where in the weeks, months and weeks leading up to the actual wedding day, they can find themselves uh, less and less being in relationship with each other. Like meaning when they get together, they're always talking about um, planning for the wedding or when they, when they are in their downtime, they're going over details and uh, no, we don't have time to 
spend with each other and just kind of enjoy each other's company and talk about big things or talk about our hearts or talk about our lives, we have to talk about this event. And so one of the things that happens that can happen is then the event and like the depth of it sneaks up on them and, and it can be hard to enter into um, the real preparation for, you know, this is going to be something new um, and, and being prepared. So I will see it somewhat in the same way. So what's the, the best way to prepare for Advent or for Christmas? I would say is, well, what is happening? I'm here to celebrate and renew my relationship relationship with the God who's become one of us. And so if I'm going to celebrate and renew this relationship with Jesus, then what should I do? I should spend time with him. Um, and so yet there's like, you know, at least in the West here, we have um, a lot of songs that are associated with this. We have decorations that are in other festivities that are associated with, with preparation for Christmas. But there's also that sense of, wow, but do I have any time away with the Lord? And I would say something similar, you know, for, for couples who are preparing to get married. Yep, you have all these things you need to do and whatnot, but do you have any time where it's just you and the one you love, where you just get to have that, that time with each other, preparing for this great day where you're going to celebrate and renew um, your love for each other? And so that's what I would say. The number one thing, in my mind at least, is um, if the goal of, Christmas, or one of them is is to celebrate and renew our relationship with Jesus, you know, the Word made flesh, then why would I spend time with Jesus, the Word made flesh, in uh, weeks and days leading up to uh, that celebration? Thank you so much. And this is it. <laughs> this is about it. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's so good to talk to you, Nikolai. I feel so badly to keep you up so late. Um, I imagine you need to get some sleep now. Yeah, sure. It's, it's almost two. In the morning, I should say. <laughs> in the morning, and you have you have to get, probably have to work tomorrow, and so, so, oh man, I hope you can sleep and and get double, triple sleep tonight. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you as well, and God bless you and and your family. Thank you. Bye bye.